can't hear me. Oh, there we go. Hey, guys. Good morning. Uh, welcome to West Sterwin. So glad to see you this morning. I want to welcome all of you in. Uh, hope that you had a great weekend. Hope that you're staying cool. I'm glad to be in here with some nice, cool AC. Able to be in a long sleeve shirt and not, not pass out, which is nice. Um, attendance cards. This is the weekly time for if you'll see in front of you, the, back, uh, the, the pew seat, pew back, whatever, in front of you. There's a little white card that says attendance on it. Uh, grab one of those, fill it out. We'll have our young guys come around here in a, in a little bit, and uh, we will pick those up. So I'm going to ask you to give me your attention for just a second. In our bulletin, and I believe we had a slide up there, but if not, we've got a little slip-in in our bulletin, um, all about the West Irwin Church of Christ worship leadership. There it is right there. Um, it's a little tough to read on there, but you can see it. Big old piece of paper inside of your bulletin. Um, this is not new to West Irwin, but it is updated, and it's going to look a little bit different. And so we want to give this to you as a resource. You can go in and see all the different categories of, of ministry and, and works and efforts that we have going on here at West Irwin, from benevolence to church life, communications, disaster relief, so on and so forth. And it's got listed the elder that's overseeing it, and then ministers and staff, deacons, members, and then the areas of service that are covered in that. And so like I said, this whole thing is just a resource for you to know, hey, I've got a great idea about the children's ministry. Who do I need to contact? You can go in there, find it, contact whoever you need to, so on and so forth. Um, and so hold on to this, keep this. It's also on the website. Uh, whenever you go on the website and find it, uh, there are little hyperlinks up there at the top with the category. You can click on that link, and then it'll take you down to... Uh, the, the individuals and the, the areas of service. So this is a, a good resource for us to have, and I hope you'll take advantage of it. Um, Schedule-wise, I've got a handful of things, so uh, hang with me. For our youth group today, we have a middle school lunch Devo directly after service. So come to that if you're 6th through 8th grade, and we're going to uh, have some tasty hot dogs and hang out for a little bit. Tonight we have an all-church singing night here at 5 p.m., and then this Wednesday night, August 9th, will be an all-church back-to-school prayer night. Um, there will not be VBS that night. We've done this uh, for as long, well, as long as I've been here, so the past couple years at least. And it's, it's a good time to uh, come together, pray, pray over the, the upcoming school year, and just a little bit of a celebration for the summer that we just had. Um, I haven't heard yet about location for that, but location will be announced very, very soon. If anyone knows it, you can shout it out right now. Um, but that'll be this Wednesday night, so be on the lookout. And if you don't hear location, just show up and walk around until you find someone, and we'll be somewhere. Um, this Thursday, August 10th, is the Young at Heart Potluck Dinner, which is going to be located at the Benevolent Center. That'll be at 6 p.m., so that's this Thursday. And then next Sunday, there's going to be the singing group New Rain from OC. Um, a lot of y'all have heard of them. If you haven't, they're awesome. They're really, really good. They're going to be at the Glenwood Church of Christ at 5 p.m. And so um, we're invited to go and uh, see New Rain, join in on that. It's going to be a, a good, good evening of worship. Uh, speaking of worship, our Praise and Harmony workshop is just around the corner a couple weekends from now. Uh, Saturday, August 19th at 2 p.m. is going to be the all-church worship uh, led by Keith, and that's going to be an awesome time of fellowship and worship. And then August 20th, Keith Lancaster is going to lead a combined 
teen adult class, and then we'll have worship at regular times. So, hope you got all that. Um, if you would, I'll have you stand. I'm going to read Psalm 95, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll start up our worship service. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Holy Lord, most holy Lord,
again, good morning, and I'd like to read from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father, and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, we come humbly before your throne, acknowledge you as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Your way is perfect and true. Father, we acknowledge and confess that we are sinners. Father, forgive our words and deeds that are against your will and forgive us as we put other things, including ourselves, ahead of you. We are sorrowful for our failures, Father. Father, our days on earth are like a shadow without hope, but you have made yourself known to us through your word and through Jesus Christ. We are grateful that through the blood of Christ, Each one of us are invited to pray to you as our Father. You provide us with blessings that we are not aware of or could ever have imagined. And Father, we have many names on the prayer and care list, and we bring these names before you that are in need of your care. Edie Strickland, Mary Lee, Jerry Moore, Larry Murphy, and all those on our prayer and care list. Father, our thoughts are upon the family, loved ones, and the passing of Pam Pendleton, Nelda, Cade, and Garrett Smith's brother, Mike Smith. We pray for peace and comfort to be upon them who are dealing with their loss. For, Father, we believe in you. We believe in Jesus. We put our trust in you even when our hearts are troubled. And our burdens seem to be too great to bear. And Father, we are thankful for each member here at West Irvin. We're thankful for our staff and ministers, the teachers, the deacons and elders. And Father, we ask you to bless each one of us. May our daily actions be Christ-like, to love, encourage, protect, and to defend your word. Father, you are a refuge and fortress, and we ask for a hedge of protection around each of us for evil desires in our lives, our home, and upon this land we live in. Father, we ask you to provide our teachers and parents with the knowledge and wisdom to guide and nurture the children so that each child will know and believe in Jesus and obey your word. May our homes be a blessing of comfort, joy, and peace. 
Father, we ask you to protect those in the military, the law enforcement, our emergency responders, our health care workers, school teachers, and all those who are willing to help others. And Father, bless those in the world with wisdom who are in a position of responsibility, authority, and our judges so that they will restrain evil, provide civil order and justice. Father, we ask that our country representatives find ways to reduce our country debt without being a great burden upon us, our children, and grandchildren. Father, we pray that this weather high pressure to move away and provide us relief from this heat wave. And we humbly ask for the rain to fall softly upon this land. Father, we ask you to bless Bill Allen today in presenting your word this morning in a way that reinforces our faith so we can remain with you as the branches remain with the vine day by day in love and joy. <clears throat> Father, we are thankful that we are here in fellowship with you and your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, joined in one body, one spirit, and one hope with a hope that provides us assurance of the resurrected life. May our worship today be in spirit and truth as we glorify you with hearts filled with love, compassion, and joy. We ask these things in our blessed name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper today. We're going to be singing, Come Share the Lord. We gather here in Jesus' name. His love is So this past week, we went to our final uh, Northeast Texas Summer Youth Series. This was day three of three. Uh, they were spread out throughout the summer, and they were a great time at all that we went to. The theme throughout the summer was make space for God. Make space for God. Well, I love the way that this speaker at the one on Thursday framed it because he spent his second message talking about making space for God but the first message entirely was about how God made space for us. God made space for us. Um, he had a line specifically in his message that stuck out to me. Because I'd never heard it framed this way, but I really, really liked it. He said, when God looks at you, it's like he's looking in a mirror. When God looks at you, it's like he's looking in a mirror. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, believe it or not, whenever Paul wrote this, he wasn't ripping off some a cappella song. Um, he was making an incredible statement, which is the fact that as Jesus hung on the cross, as he hung there, as the weight of our sin fell down onto his shoulders, at the same time, his righteousness was imparted onto us who believe in him. 
It was in that moment, as he hung there in pain, that he swapped place for, places with us. He took on our suffering so that we might take on his righteousness. So now whenever God looks at us, whenever he looks at us in our broken, messy lives, our, we just feel like we can't get it together, um, he sees his son. He sees the righteousness of Christ whenever he looks at us. And every week we get this reminder as we take the bread, as we take the, the, the cup, we're reminded of the sacrifice that made that all possible. We're reminded of the love that Christ had for us as he hung there. So if you would, uh, let's pray for the bread. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life, his death, and Lord, ultimately his resurrection that, that gives us hope in all that we say that we believe. Father, as we take this bread, I, I pray that you would draw our minds um, onto those shoulders as he hung there on the cross. Lord, draw our minds to the, the shoulders that took on the weight of our sins, the weight of the world's sins, and remind us of that. Remind us of the body that was pierced. Father, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. joins us here. He breaks the bread. The Lord Awesome line. The the one we love the most is now our gracious host. That is that is awesome. Uh, let's pray for the cup. 
Father, thank you again for Jesus. Thank you for the life that he lived and and his death and resurrection again. Lord, I I pray that you would draw our mind to the blood that was shed. Um, Lord, that that blood should have been ours and should have been mine. Uh, But you came willingly and you came and you you died in our place. Father, as we take the cup this morning, I, I pray that you would fix our hearts and minds on that sacrifice. We love you, Lord, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We gather soon, where angels we'll sing, we'll sing the glory of our Lord and coming is when we have uh, the time set apart to shift our minds from what's been given to us to what we can give back. Um, I've been reading a, a book recently, I actually just finished it, that was fantastic, and it was all about the idea of forgiveness. And who are we to, to not show forgiveness after Christ forgiving us, after God forgiving us, after all that we've done? And, uh, you know, this, this premise of forgiveness also applies across the board. In, any good work that we could do, whether it's uh, forgiving others or loving others or giving back some of what we've been given, serving others, whatever it may be, uh, the only reason why we can do those things is because God has already done them for us. Uh, God is prior in any good work that we could do. It's simply a response on our part. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We serve because Jesus served us. We, we love because of God's love for us. And we give back because God gave everything for us. So keep your mind fixed on that as we enter into this time of giving this morning. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that you would bless our giving. Um, Lord, I, I know that we don't, or that you don't need anything uh, from us. There's, there's nothing that we could give you that you, you need. But, Lord, you desire uh, a cheerful, giving spirit from us. Because, Lord, you desire us. You know that you, you delight in us and you delight in someone who gives cheerfully. Because, ultimately, it's, it's a matter of trust at the end of the day. We're showing the trust that we have in you by what we're willing to trust you with. Lord, I pray that that would be so this morning. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Alrighty. Well, earlier this summer, uh, our youth group took a trip down to Houston. It was the Impact Houston Church of Christ. We spent a week there uh, helping serve alongside the work that they're doing. Um, it is just just an awesome, awesome uh, church and ministry that they have going on there. And really, their whole goal is to pour into the community. And so, uh, we took nine students along with myself and Marla Canifax. And whenever we got there, we were divided into different uh, color groups. It was kindergarten through fifth grade, and so we had a couple students stuck in each different color group. And uh, it was just a week of VBS is what it was. They've, they've got a six-week program of VBS going on throughout the summer, and each week they have different youth groups come in and fill those roles. And it was an awesome, awesome experience. We helped lead a skit time. On a couple days, we helped lead games, crafts, memory verse, and all different VBS activities, lots of screaming and stuff. Um, on Wednesday, we helped serve out of the church's food pantry, which was fantastic. It was three, pl- three plus hours of hard, hard work, and uh, we got rained on. It was cars would pull through with their trunks open, and we would have different people at, at different assignments, whether that was produce or meat or desserts or whatever, and you would load up the car with however many uh, things they needed. And it was estimated that we served between 350 and 400 families, um, which comes out to over 1,000 children just in that, that one evening, which was awesome. So 1,000-plus kids uh, that, that knew, at least for a little while, they would have a, another meal that they could look forward to. So it was great to be a part of that. Um, on Thursday, I'll try to, try to give the Reader's Digest version of this story, but on Thursday... Uh, it was Sunday through Friday, and so Thursday evening was our last evening. We had planned on going to the beach, and, and all week we had talked, oh, let's go down to Galveston, let's go to the beach, it's going to be great. And we get to Thursday, and um, it's raining all, all day. It's raining on us in Houston, I'm checking the weather forecast, and it had been clear all week long until the day of, and uh, it's supposed to rain all evening long. And so I'm scrambling, I'm like, oh man, what now? And uh, so we, and by we, I mean I, uh, bought some tickets to a Houston Astros game. Go Astros. Um, And so we were going to go to that. It wasn't the beach, but it was going to be a a, a good time, hopefully. And uh, I'm tired and frustrated, and so I lay down and take a nap on my comfy air mattress. And whenever I wake up, I see the other youth group going to leave to go to the beach. I'm like, what happened during my 30-minute nap? Um, and so I check, didn't get an email, confirmation email from, from StubHub. And so I call them. I say, hey, I just bought some tickets. Where are the tickets? They say, you didn't buy tickets. There are no tickets. Anyhow, all that worked out. Cody, I see that face you're making. Um, so all that worked out. And by worked out, I mean it didn't work out. We end up going to the beach. And we were supposed to be at an Astros game. Anyhow, while we're down there on the beach, I'm trying my best, guys. Uh, whenever we're down there on the beach, uh, Annie Moore decides that she wants to give her life to Christ in baptism. And uh, so we do it. We go, we, we get her baptized, and uh, you can see the picture up there. Just a couple minutes after we got her baptized in the ocean, there was about the prettiest double rainbow you've ever seen form out over the water. Um, so it was pretty cool, all that to say, it was pretty cool the way that stuff worked out. We were supposed to be at an Astros game right there, uh, cheering on whoever. And instead, we were uh, getting Annie baptized and God looking down on us with a double rainbow. And so that was about the best way that we could have possibly ended a good week. Um, 
At the end of the day, yes, we went down there to help with VBS. Yes, we went down there and helped with the food pantry, but really our goal was to love on some little kids. And that's what we got to do for just a handful of days, was to let them know, hey, we love you. And not only do we love you, but you have a creator. You have a maker who loves you even more than we could ever show you. And that was our goal. And uh, I can't brag enough on our group. Like I said, we had nine students, a couple of adults, and um, man, our, our, our kids did fantastic. They did such a good job. This was a new experience for a lot of them. They had never been put in that situation, and they did awesome. And so if you, anyone that you're seeing on a picture, uh, find them, talk to them, ask them about their stories, because I, I'm just so, so proud of our group and the job that they did. Um, I'm about to hop down. This will be the last time that you see me this morning. But before I go, I, I just want for us to pray over these kids. Uh, these kiddos, there's um, over a, a hundred kiddos that come in for this VBS. And uh, whenever we got down to impact, the first thing that they told us is their number one goal is safety. Because for these kids, for a lot of them, VBS is the safest place that they can be. They don't know what they're going home to. They don't know if they're going home to parents that are going to be there or out all night or how many people are going to be in their house that they don't recognize. Um, if they're going to get any sleep, if they're going to get food, whatever. Uh, VBS is the safest place for them. And so let's pray for them, and uh, then I'll hop down. Father, I uh, just I want to lift up these kiddos. I, I thank you for the week that we had down there in Houston. I thank you for the experience that we had. Um, but Lord, I, I want to focus specifically on the students who were a part of that VBS. Um, Lord, I, I don't know where they're at right now. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what last night looked like for them. Uh, but Lord, I just pray that you would cover them. I, I pray that you would protect them. Uh, let them know that they are loved and seen by you. And Lord, I pray that they would know that they're valuable. Um, Father, be with the Impact Church of Christ. Be with the, the leaders and the elders there and the ministry that they have going on. And uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for the ministry and the work that's being done there. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Tucker. What a great, uh, what a great segue, actually. Uh, we, Bill's going to be talking to us today about the, uh, the joy of fellowship in Philippians. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but today we started off by proclaiming how great our Lord is. Then we humbled ourselves before him. Then we actually came and shared the Lord. And now before we dive into the joy of the fellowship, we're going to be singing and proclaiming the joy of the Lord. So if you would, please join me in standing and singing of this song. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. I will
The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's a statement that is found several times, not in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. You know, that covenant that's supposed to be a burden and keeping everybody down because of hundreds of laws and hundreds more interpretations of laws. It's in those words throughout the Old Testament that we find that statement, the joy of the Lord, especially in the book of Nehemiah, the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, Jesus promised no one will take away your joy. And he promised that in John 16. And in John chapter 16, that is the chapter where Jesus is telling his disciples, there's going to be a lot of difficulty. There's going to be a lot of trouble. People are going to be mean to you. They're going to beat you. They're going to put you in jail. Some of them may even threaten and take your life, all doing that in the name of God. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus is also telling them, and I'm about to leave you, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to go away, and you're not going to see me, but then you'll see me again. And when you see me again, you will have joy, and no one will take away that joy. Jesus promises no one will take away your joy. And the Apostle Paul must have believed that because in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And you think, well, of course he can say that. He's an apostle. He's famous. He's a great preacher. Everybody loves him. Well, not really. (laughs) Because when Paul writes those words and the rest of the book of Philippians that we begin to look at today for the next uh, several weeks, He was writing from prison, very likely in Rome, while he had appealed to the Roman emperor Caesar because he couldn't trust his own people, the Jews, to give him a fair shake or to not take his life. He appeals to Caesar as a Roman citizen. He has that right. And so Acts 27 gives us that exciting story of of the Apostle Paul going from Caesarea where he had gone to Uh, just north of Jerusalem, across the Mediterranean Sea, finally ending up in Rome. And as he's there waiting, he's there for a couple of years, and he writes those epistles from prison. We call them the prison epistles, Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon. And when he writes the book of Philippians, he tells them, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. No one can take away your joy. Jesus lived that. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, it was for the joy that Jesus saw before him that he gave his life, that he sacrificed himself and endured the cross, suffering its shame. And as you know, when Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, the very second one, love Joy. Joy is the second one of the fruit of the Spirit listed there. No one will take away your joy. But how in the world can we have joy today? In the world we're living in today, how, how is that possible? Tucker shared the wonderful stories and pictures, and I'm sure the, the kids that went would love to tell you some of those stories, to tell you about some of the kids that they bonded with during that time. 
And he shared how they're going home to uh, very horrible situations. I remember when we were working with uh, the kids at camp in Ukraine years ago, summer youth Bible camps, the kids would come and they would be there for two weeks and they would be bawling their eyes out at the end of that time because of that very reason. Because that two weeks was the only time in their year that they felt safe. But even more so that they felt loved. How can we have joy in a world like that? How can we have joy in this world that seems so insecure right now? In such a polarized world uh, politically. In such a polarized country. And looking ahead to the next couple of years thinking, man, it's going to get a lot worse every day. (laughs) Every day. We understand that. Looking at the difficulties that we have in our own families, in our own homes, in our own communities. The difficulties that are there. How can we have joy, Bill, living in the world we're in today? Boy, it must have been really easy in the first century. Really? Really? As Paul writes these letters again, he's in prison, but as he writes them, he's writing to people who were just as persecuted as he was, who were meeting behind locked doors as quietly as they could be, but still giving out praise to the Lord, who were willing to speak boldly in the name of Jesus Christ as Lord, no matter the consequences. And they did that, not with fear, but they did that with joy, with joy. Why? Because Jesus said, no one will take away your joy. And the reason for that is the gospel. And that passage of scripture that Tucker mentioned is my favorite scripture today. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I tell you, if we can latch on to that and really, truly get that, we will have joy that no one can take away, no matter what. So this series on Philippians I've entitled this way, Living a Joyful Life. And I realize right after church, I'm going to have several teachers that look at me kind of sternly and say, Bill, that is incorrect incorrect but you get it right living a joyful life living a life that is full of joy would that describe you today if I were to ask some of those people closest to you in your family or in your circle of friends or at your school or in your office in your job whatever however you do your job If I were to ask them, could you describe this person to me? Would joy be one of the words they use? Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't it be? Living a joyful life. So a few things to begin with. First of all, some fun facts about Philippi. Philippi, this city, is in modern-day Greece in the northern part. It was a Roman colony. And that makes it pretty special. Because not every town in the Roman Empire was classified as a Roman colony. 
This city was on uh, the, the Via Ignatius, that uh, uh, road that passed from the western part of Greece, modern-day Greece, Albania, Macedonia, that area, all the way across modern-day Greece, all the way through that part of Turkey until it gets to modern-day uh, Istanbul, Byzantium, that city. And as you think about that, you think about, wow, that's a really important place. And that road went through Philippi. As a Roman colony, Philippi was started, was built by Alexander the Great in the 4th century B.C. And Alexander the Great named it after his dad, Philip of Macedon. And so this is a city that had great significance Uh, Philippi was brought under Roman rule uh, when the Romans took over and was later turned into that Roman colony and was also the site of one of the most significant military engagements in Roman history. And you may have heard of this battle um, in a series of battles there in 42 BC, Mark Antony and Octavian, who would take the name Augustus when he became Caesar, they conquered the forces of the assassins of Julius Caesar, Cassius and Brutus. That was happening in Philippi. Paul found Philippi to be a cosmopolitan area. It was around 50 AD or AD 50, 50 CE, the common era, however you want to say that. And he found it with Romans, Greeks, Jews, and people of quite diverse national and ethnic backgrounds. In fact, Paul does not quote from the Old Testament in the book of Philippians. And I think that's deliberate. Because a considerable portion of the citizens of Philippi were Romans. And they lived in this city that was a Roman colony. They had special privileges as colonists. And so Paul encountered there a community of people that I think is very much like today's United States. Very patriotic. Very concerned about politics and political things. This was a Roman colony. This had a great history. It was a very important city in the Roman Empire. It was strategic in its location. It was strategic in its history. And there, was, there seems to be a concern for Paul that they get the message that as Christians, they are Christians first and Roman citizens second. And it's in Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3, where Paul makes it very clear, stating our citizenship is where? In heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. You may live in a Roman colony with a great and important history in the world that we're still talking about today, 2,000 years later plus. You may be a Roman citizen, an actual citizen, with all of the rights there too, Of the world empire right now. But your citizenship is in heaven. Christians first, Romans second. Can we apply that today? Christians first, Americans second. The church begins in Acts chapter 16, and you're familiar with this story, around, as I said, 50, uh, the year 50 to 52, somewhere in there during Paul's second mission journey. He hears that Macedonian call, and we'll be talking about that throughout this series. 
And so he goes across from uh, Asia to Europe and goes to modern-day Greece and finds himself, first of all, in the city of Philippi. And it's there that he goes to this place that looks like a place of prayer where people would gather to pray. And he goes there, and sure enough, there's a group of women that are there doing that exact thing to pray. And he preaches the message to them, that message of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. The gospel. Jesus died for you. And God raised him. And now in this world of difficulty, there is hope and you can have joy. And there's one lady that's mentioned specifically that responded and her name is Lydia. And she had Paul baptize her and her whole family. And she told him, look, where are you guys staying? And he said, well, Holiday Inn Express was all booked. So we're just going to hang out here. And she said, no, 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 you're going home with me. And it's at that point that the, the church at Philippi was formed. And it was at that part point that the church at Philippi began their partnership in ministry with Paul that he alludes to in just a little bit. Lydia is the first convert. Paul heals this slave girl and her owners get very mad because now she can't make the money and they toss him in jail. And they have him flogged first, beaten in a horribly cruel manner. Which, by the way, was illegal for a Roman citizen to experience that. And yet Paul and his missionary partner Silas are in that jail in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. And at midnight they're saying, oh man, I don't know why we signed up for this. Where is God in the midst of all of this? I can't believe he's letting this go on. I can't believe he's letting us suffer like this, right? Is that how you remember Acts 16? What were they doing all night? Singing, singing, what we're going to be focusing on and have been focusing on for a while with this wonderful Songfest workshop we have coming up in two weeks, two weeks, they were singing. And about midnight, there was an earthquake, and all the prisoners were released. They could have run for their lives if they wanted to, and the jailer knew it, and he knew that it would be horrible for him to answer for why the jails are empty, and he was about to take his life, and Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're not going anywhere. And it's not the chains and the locks and the doors that are keeping us here. And the man falls at Paul's feet and says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul tells him, you've got to believe, man. And he preaches the gospel to him and to his whole family in that very same hour of the night he was baptized, just like Annie, wherever you are, Annie, was baptized in the Gulf. <laughs> that same hour of the night, that Philippian jailer was baptized, and his whole family and the church was off and running. And it's interesting that at the mor in the morning, when the authorities find out that Paul and Silas were both Roman citizens, and they'd had them flogged, and they'd put them in jail without a trial, they knew they were in big-time trouble. And so they go to Paul and Silas and they say, look, we're really, really sorry. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let y'all go. No trial, no nothing. We're just going to let y'all go. We'll walk you right out back. And they said, no, 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 no. One of the few, if not only times where Paul demands justice. Rather than just being the servant, going the second mile, not making a fuss, Paul makes a huge fuss and he says, no, no, you have done wrong to us. You need to lead us out the front door so that everyone in this very important city will know that we were wronged and not in the wrong. 
And that's what happens. I have a feeling that the reason he did that is because of the status of the city and the people of Philippi. And how that would affect all of the rest of the work that he would do on that second mission journey in the northern province of modern-day Greece, Macedonia, and in the southern province of Achaia. Cities that he would go to that included Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth. And so we turn to the epistle of Philippians. Written from prison again, um, along with the other prison epistles, he speaks about several things that are important. And one of them that we're going to see right off the bat here in chapter 1 is partnership in ministry. The fellowship of ministry. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment when we get there. He speaks about the humble servant attitude of Christ. And how that same servant attitude should be found in his followers and in his disciples. And it's in that context that we'll come to Philippians chapter 2. And those first few verses that call us to live lives of humble service. And consideration and respect and love to others. And Paul uses the best example and illustration he can of that. Jesus Christ, have this mind in you, he says, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 goes on to quote what many consider an early Christian hymn. We'll be looking at that passage while Keith Lancaster is leading our worship in two weeks. He speaks of the unity of the church, and guess what? He speaks of Christian joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, whatever your circumstances. I'll say it again, rejoice. And when Paul writes those words, they know the kind of suffering that he endured right there in their city. And they know that as someone in the church there is reading this letter that Paul has sent to them from Rome, that he's in prison right now, not knowing for sure whether he'll be released or not. As we'll see next week, he thinks he's going to be. But until Caesar makes that decision there's nothing final and so let's look at the first 11 verses of philippians chapter 1 and we'll divide it up into three parts philippians chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 the fellowship of the church first of all is the theme as he begins in chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers or bishops and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Eric has a wonderful bulletin article in his connections uh, part in the, in the bulletin today. That it, it talks about us being willing to find the church and meet with the church because that fellowship That joy of fellowship is that important to us that we'll do that even when we're away from our own individual church. Whether it's worshiping online like so many are today, which is wonderful, or finding a congregation wherever you might be and seeking it out, just as Paul did in Acts 20 when he found the church at Troas. Now, I know he had some preaching to do there, and that was his purpose. I get that. But I think even if he hadn't planned on that at all, if it was the Lord's day, he was going to find a church and have communion. And that's exactly what Acts 20 verse 7 says. Why? Because the joy of fellowship with the church was absolutely essential and was a part of his very, very being. 
He writes to God's holy people, which is actually the word for saint, which is actually not a word. <laughs> it's, uh, um, it, it's the word holy, and it's a, it's a verb that's used as a noun. It's, it's the holy ones is the specific term. We created a word from it called saint, but it's not talking about dead people. It is talking about faithful people, but it's talking about the people that were very much alive and were members of the church at Philippi. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus, together with the overseers and deacons, it's interesting that the church had been in existence for only 20 years. And we already see that structure in the local congregation this was one specific congregation in Philippi in modern-day Greece. And guess what they had? They had elders and they had deacons. Huh. And then, of course, addressing it to all of the members of the church there. He wishes them grace and peace. And how important would that be? How important are grace and peace for us today in the climate that we're in? In our 21st century American world. There was even a greater need for grace and peace. In first century Philippi. The fellowship of the church. Next is the fellowship in the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1 beginning at verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He speaks of his great gratitude and how he prays for them and how he prays for them with joy. One of the things that happened when uh, Paul received news about the church at Philippi that he's kind of responding to with this letter is they brought him material possessions. They brought him money to help him on his journey and in his preaching while he was there in Rome and if he would be released. And he speaks with great gratitude and joy about them. And he speaks of their partnership in the gospel, of them sharing in the grace of God with him. And that is the term koinonia. You've probably heard that term. It's the original language. It's the term that we typically translate fellowship. Sometimes it's translated communion or Eucharist, such as in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here it's the partnership in ministry, their fellowship in ministry. Everything that Paul did, they had a hand in. Not only because of their financial contributions, but because of their shared experiences and their hope in the gospel and their prayers. Paul prays that they would bring their faith to completion, and he knows that God would do that. He'll mention that again in chapter 2. And again, he speaks of their great affection for each other. They're sharing the Lord, just as we sang earlier. You know, we have a partnership in ministry here. And you can look at that spreadsheet that Tucker mentioned, that chart that shows all of the different ways that this church is involved in ministry, all of the different opportunities for you to serve. And all of the, the men and women that you can call on and say, I want to help. How do I do that? 
How do I do that? How do I make my partnership in ministry more active? What a great, great blessing. Finally today in verses 9 through 11 of chapter 1, it's the fellowship of prayer. And this is my prayer, Philippians 1 verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Can I ask you to do something this week? Can you pray that prayer for West Irwin Church of Christ? Can you pray that same prayer for those same things for our church every day this week? Verses 9 through 11, what do they pray for? Our love, that your love may abound more and more. That you'll have knowledge, that you'll have depth of insight. That you'll be able to discern what is best. That you'll be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's what Paul prayed for the church at Philippi. That's what your leaders pray for our church. That's what you can pray for this church to be and to do. This is the joyful life. For first century Philippi, it was being active. For 21st century West Irwin, it's the same. Trusting, having an active faith, having a sacrificial faith, having a faith that is filled with service, with love, with hope, and with joy. Living the joyful life. When everyone around you is searching so hard to find hope somewhere, to find joy somewhere. You can live it and then you can share it because that's what they need to see and that's what they need to hear. Sharing in the fellowship of ministry brings joy that the circumstances of the world cannot take away. It's what our shepherd David Wicks prayed for us from John 15, that we would be branches that are connected and abiding and continuing in the vine. And guess what that looks like? It looks like a joyful life. Because that's what Jesus said in that same context in those chapters in John. I am giving you my joy and no one and nothing will be able to take your joy away. Sharing in the fellowship of ministry brings joy that the circumstances of the world cannot take away. It's not based on what you're going through. It's not based on how people are treating you. It's not based on what you have. It's not based on who likes you. It's not based on who wins the next election. (laughs) Your joy is based on the one who bought you who sacrificed for you, who became sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God. And that's why we can rejoice in the Lord always, always. Jesus is tenderly calling you to have that joy today. If we can help, come as we stand. We sing this song.
Jesus is tenderly calling me home, calling today. song we're going to be singing how great is our God I couldn't think of a more great song than to express our joy for the Lord with this song itself I just want to point out a fact that a lot of us think that we can't sing you all have a voice and God hears that voice in the most splendor sound amazing to him so I ask that as we sing this song that we sing it with a joyful and a loving heart the splendor of a
Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day that you have given us to come together to worship you. Thank you for the wicked impact that gave us the opportunity to serve a ton of little kids and be with each and every one of those little kids and their families. Please be with the members of our Western family who are on the prayer and care list. Please comfort them and their families. Please be with us as we go throughout a week so that we may spread your word, shine your light, and be good examples to those around us. Please forgive us of our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.